This is my uh, opportunity to preach today, so I got to get my stuff all together here. Yeah, so you get me. If it's not one Jeff, it's another. So, yeah, I got to have, I got to have real stuff here. So, hey, you know, um, one of the things that we want to mention today as we're getting started is, of course, this is Memorial Day weekend. And so we want to uh, give honor to those who have sacrificed their lives. Memorial Day is about those who have paid with the ultimate cost their life. I was reading an article that said there's over 200,000 soldiers that have died in the war since the First World War. 200,000. And of those, 76,000 bodies have never been found. Prisoners of war, those who died at sea, places where they were never recovered. So even though you go to the memorial centers, there's 76,000 stones that are not there. You know, this is a time, we thank God for a long weekend, and we get to have picnics tomorrow and all those things, but you know, Memorial Day is for us to think about the freedom we have came at the cost of people's blood. I like to go to the national cemeteries. I like to not just see the order and the, there's a solemn beauty to our national cemeteries. If you haven't looked, go look, go visit one. There's one 40 minutes down the road, Fort Gibson. But I don't just like to go by. I'll get out of my car and I like to walk among the stones till I find a stone that represents someone who paid with their life. I don't know this person. Don't know what was there. Don't know what was going on in their life. Don't know how they died. But they're there for a reason. And that reason was to defend the freedoms and the liberties that we have as a nation. To defend other nations that have been oppressed and overwhelmed with evil and with darkness. And so our soldiers, our sailors, our airmen, men and women have gone and they paid a price. So on Memorial Day, remember them. Just take a few minutes. And if you don't want to take the drive tomorrow, find another day. Visit one of those places. Take a look. I just want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this nation. Father, you established our nation to be a light to the world. Times we failed. We're not perfect. So we need your help. Father, today, as we come upon this Memorial Day, I thank you, Father, you'll help us to remember the cost that we could stand in peace and live in freedom. Help us to fix those things that are wrong, that your name is glorified in this nation. And Father, that people's lives are honored with the freedom that you desired for them to live. And of all these things, we thank you that the gospel 
is free to preach in this nation. And we thank you, Father, that we can openly speak your word and see things changed. We praise you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you will take the words that I speak today and use them to bring honor and glory to your name. And I thank you for this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So Jeff and Lisa um, continue to be on vacation. I guess that's all right. No, it is. And it's a good thing because it let me preach. So there it is. But I thank Pastor Jeff for uh, giving me this opportunity. Um, my message today is titled Adoration, subtitle, Leah, I love you. At the risk of even bringing up the name Leah, because immediately Star Wars jumps into your mind, that's not the Leah I'm speaking of. That's a biblical Leah. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis 29. We're just going to look at a few verses. And um, talk about adoration. Because the key, even as we sang it this morning in our, our last worship song, He loved me as He found me. That's perfect introduction. I could have pretty much preached my message out of just some of the verses in that song. Because God loves us like He finds us. And there's a line in that song that says, so what I give God is my gratitude. Because when we recognize how much God loves us, what are we going to give Him? We can't give Him enough money. That sometimes is a way that we say thank you. We can't live perfectly for Him, but we, we, we do our best. But the point of my message today is you didn't have to do anything to get God's attention. So what I'm going to give back to him is my adoration. So I'm going to sum it up. That's the story we're going to. Most of you are familiar with the story of Rachel and Leah and the whole transition there with Jacob. Jacob was the grandson of Abraham through Isaac. And in all of his rebellion and his different things that went on in his life, one thing he did is he finally, he ran to his uncle, whose name was Laban. And he ran to his uncle's home, um, trying to escape from the wrath of his brother Esau. Long stories, not going into that. And so, as he comes there, he sees this girl. Her name is Rachel. And uh, it says in Genesis 29, verse 16, Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. And then the next verse. 
Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Pause. All right. So here's these two daughters. Don't know what their ages were. Don't know what the difference in their ages were, but the older, his name was Leah. The younger was Rachel. And it um, says about these that Jacob's attention was drawn to this one named Rachel because she was beautiful. Then what a lot of people say, and they read it, actually they read it wrong. They say, Rachel was beautiful, but Leah was not. Doesn't say that. Really doesn't say that at all. There was something about Leah that said, hmm, she had an imperfection. She wasn't standardized. She wasn't what everybody expected. She was different. It simply says, and this is really the best translation, her eyes were weak or they were tender. This word is used most places where this word is used in the Old Testament. It's a good word. It's a word for children that are tender. Or it's a word for a love that is tender. Um, so most of the time it's a good thing. But how many of you know that anything, sometimes a good thing, can be turned to a bad thing? And somehow, this got twisted into the fact that her eyes were tender or weak. Now, a number of years ago, there was a picture that appeared on the cover of National Geographic. It was in the 1980s. And a photographer uh, in Afghanistan at the time under the time when the Soviet Union was trying to conquer Afghanistan, and there was lots of oppression and lots of war, uh, he saw this young girl, and he took a picture. Can you put the picture up for me? And this is the girl. Now, because it's a little far away, you can't really tell, but if you saw this a little bit closer, what stands out are her eyes. Can you see that enough? Her eyes. You can look this up on website. They're kind of a jade turquoise color. Now, that's not strange, except in this group of people, where almost everybody's eyes were dark brown, almost to the place of black. Even if they were blue, they were really dark blue. But to see someone like this, this is what would be considered weak-eyed. Now, is there anything, I'll use this word, is there anything ugly about her? No. She's very beautiful. Yet, she doesn't meet the standard. And the standard said, dark eyes, beautiful, weak eyes, Her weak eyes were such a problem. Go to Genesis 29, verse 31. It's just her eyes. And because of her eyes, it says in Genesis 29, verse 31, and it says, when the Lord saw 
that Leah was hated. What? Hated. She's just got green eyes. She didn't fit the standard. Does that mean she should be hated? Now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with rewarding things. Beauty can be rewarded. Achievement can be rewarded. Acceptance in different situations can be rewarded. That's, there's nothing wrong with reward, but when it becomes value, when it becomes identity, when it becomes the worth, there's something wrong there. And what's a little sad is that doesn't change no matter how old we get. We still sometimes evaluate things so superficially that they're hated. Mary, I thank you for the honesty of your testimony today. Mary was somewhere. There she is. Just because a divorce, you're not welcome in church. Now, most of us didn't grow up in churches that were like that. But you could go back into history and see that's really true. And because of experiences that happened, not necessarily all our fault, sometimes they were impressed upon us. And even if it was our fault, hey, everybody makes a failure. But some are picked out to say, this can never be accepted. And for some reason, in Leah's culture, that's not accepted. Now, I'm going to condense a lot of story here in just a few minutes. Because Jacob wanted to marry Rachel. She was beautiful. That's it. That's the one I want. And so it was all based on an outward appearance. Careful when you say amen. It was all based on an outward appearance. So, here's what her father did. Jacob came and said, can I marry your daughter Rachel? And Laban responds, yes, you can marry my daughter Rachel. What? Uh, nothing, doesn't matter. Uh, you said something. No, it doesn't matter. Just, yeah, yeah, you can marry Rachel. But there she got. There. Okay, good. Let's set the wedding. So they set the wedding. Then they have the celebration. And then Jacob and Rachel go into the tent for the night. And in the morning, it's not Rachel. It's Leah. I'm not going to explain any of that to anyone. I have no idea what took place there. But anyway, it's Leah. And Jacob goes running to Laban. And Laban says, well, I said, yes, you can marry Rachel, but you got to marry Leah first. Didn't you hear me? I, I said it. It was in the ultra, ultra, ultra fine print. Did you ever try to listen at the end of some commercials where the guy's speaking so fast 
faster than sometimes the people that wait on you at a fast food restaurant. Anyway, and um, speaking so fast, solo, didn't get it, but he agreed to it. There you are. <laughs> Sorry. Now let me ask you. Suppose, suppose first of all that you were Rachel. How would that go with you? Where's the, where's the disrespect there? I'm sorry. Yeah, you're, you're beauty, you should get married, but your, daughter, your, your sister Leah's got to get married first. I'll trick somebody into marrying her, and then you can find someone else. He had no idea that it was going to be the same one. And that's a story I'm not going to deal with that either. So, then suppose you are Leah, of course, that you, you, the only way you could get married is because somebody manipulated things and played tricks. Where do, where do you think their worth, their value was? So superficial, so empty. What kind of father is this? That you would do this to your daughters? But and then you got a mother who allowed it. I mean, there's brokenness all over the place here. And if you look up dysfunctional family in the dictionary, this picture is there. This, this whole family situation. This is, this is the ultimate dysfunctional family. So, something's going on. So what is, what's Leah to do? She's been married. So then Jacob says, you know what? That's not what I wanted. So what do I have to do to marry Rachel? Well, you got to work for me seven more years. All right, I'll do it. Now, it seems indicated that he didn't work the seven years and then got her. He agreed to work seven years and then he was allowed to marry Rachel. Because the next thing we find is he's trying to produce children through both wives. Again, stories that I'm not going to explain. Okay. So the next thing we find, verse 31, we just read. When the Lord saw, say the Lord saw. The Lord saw. See, you love me? What the song say? You love me what? As you found me. When the Lord saw, Leah was hated. He opened her womb. Rachel was barren. At verse 32. And Leah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. The name Reuben, by the way, is a Hebrew word which simply means he heard, or I'm sorry, a son. Back that up. Look, a son. Ben is the Hebrew word for son. Look, a son. I gave you a son. I, what? Performed for you. Rachel can't perform for you. I could perform for you. And so, performance 
And how often does performance get stuck in our identity, our worth? When I was in high school, I ran track. It was my one sport that I competed in. And um, turned out, I was good. By the time I was sophomore, I was anchorman on our mile relay team. That's when we ran 440 yards, not meters. 440 yards, quarter mile. I was the fastest one in the, on the high school team. Week after week, starting from my sophomore year, I was setting records. Almost every track meet, I got another, set another record, some of them continued to stand as school records even for years afterwards because they stopped running the 440 yard and ran the 400 meter. <laughs> so no one could beat my 440 yard thing because they weren't running it anymore. But anyway, and I know you could, uh, you could all look at me now and say, yeah, so what time did you run? Three minutes and second? You know what? No, I actually got under 50 seconds. 49.3 was my fastest quarter mile run. Now that's, that's, a very good, that's a very good rate. You can check that out. And um, yeah, and what I, what I liked every week was after the track meet, there would be an announcement on the public system, you know, because we had a small school and they would announce the winners and every week, Jeff Jackson set a new school record. And I lived for hearing that. Now, not a whole lot of people paid attention to the track team. I don't remember one track meet that my parents ever came to. Nobody really paid attention, but I heard it. And I heard Jeff Jackson, new record. It's not a world record, but it was a record for me. And there was, a, there was an amount of identity that I connected with that. Almost nobody cared about it. Nobody in the school ever really said anything to me about it, but to me, it was a value. Just because I could run a quarter mile in less than 50 seconds, that's my value? How quickly did that go away? <laughs> All right. I performed. And what does she say at the end of that verse? What does she say? Now my husband will love me. Hmm. Really? Her performance. We do things to demonstrate our abilities. We, we get caught up in being able to do this or do that or a skill that we have or some performance-based identity. And, and hey, those of us who have been in the Word for years and years in our lives, we still do it. I have to pray right. I have to talk right. I have to do this right. I have to be the right parent. I have to be the right child. So we're all caught up in this performance and we do it. 
and we come into church with that on us, still looking for ways to perform, thinking that somehow that will get our identity, and it doesn't, because you read verse 32. My husband will love me. Really? Look at verse 33. She conceived again and bore a son. And because the Lord has heard that I am hated. She still wasn't loved. Jacob, I gave you a son. Isn't that enough? Uh, No, no. I love Rachel, and I hate you. Is, is there anything between love and hate? Is it just the, one of those two options? Let's, let's, don't, let's, let's don't hold people to these kind of standards. Let's don't look at people and say, you've got to perform. Because no matter what their performance, it's not going to be enough. Because you know what? Performance goes away. Ability suddenly dies away. But she had another child, and so, yeah, that's, that's it. Another child. Because my husband still hates me. How strong is that? My dad still hates me. My mom still hates me. Rachel still hates me. I'm not loved by anybody. So she has another child, and she names this one Simeon. Simeon in Hebrew means he heard. I've got his attention now. I performed, but that wasn't enough. Now I've got his attention, and that'll do it. That'll do it. He heard. Let me just ask you this. What do people do to get attention? What are people willing to do to get attention? Without reading from the newspapers, (laughs) headlines. What do people do to get attention? Children will throw a temper tantrum. Adults will throw a temper tantrum. I'd actually, yeah, I actually said that. People will do all kinds of things to get attention. We'll do crazy things. We'll do great things that we think will somehow get everybody's attention, but pretty soon it's forgotten. Our performance and somehow doing what we can to gain attention cannot be our identity. There's got to be something else because her husband stood in love her. This wasn't, this wasn't settling the issue. This wasn't healing anything. She still was empty because there was nothing really there. I performed. I got his attention. What more do I need to do? Verse 34. She conceived again and bore a son. And she said, now, now, that word occurs in every one of these statements. Now, this is it, this is it. How many of you have ever had those kind of things? Okay, that didn't do it, that didn't do it, this will do it. 
Now, now this time, my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. He'll join himself. I will be accepted. I performed. I got his attention. Now I'm going to be accepted. So she named this child Levi. We say Levi, but it's Levi. And Levi means to be joined to. He's, he's going to join himself to me now. Now I belong. And folks, we do all kinds of things to try to belong. We wear certain clothes. We dress a certain way. We talk a certain way. We identify with a certain group. We do everything we can to be a part of this crowd or part of that crowd or this grouping or that. We, we look to different ways. What can I join? What can I do? How do I get people to join themselves to me? The, the emptiness was inside of Leah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of emptiness in Laban, Laban and, and his wife, her mother, and his sister. There's plenty of emptiness there too. But they're not the subject of this passage or my message. There's lots of emptiness to go around. Everybody trying to belong, trying to belong. I've got to belong. We do things to try to belong to certain things. We join this, we join that. We look that this might be, maybe this will solve my problem. We just got a new car, traded our car in. I belong to the new car group. Now everybody will love me. First couple of days, people noticed my car in the parking lot, now they don't. Huh. We need to find something else. Tim, I appreciate the sale and everything you did for me, but it didn't last. <clears throat> People, we, we do things. We look for what I can do, this group or that group. We, we see other people belong to a certain thing. I think if I, if I could belong to that, but it doesn't work because that emptiness is still in here. She's got all of these things going on in her life and she can't find acceptance. She can't find belonging. She doesn't have anybody's attention. She can't perform enough to, to please anyone. Her sister's barren. She's had three children. You'd think this would do it, but it's not enough. Not enough. How many have read the book of Ecclesiastes? Okay, well, part of it. How many know what's in the book of Ecclesiastes? All right. So, Ecclesiastes is Solomon looking for what matters in life. And his end point was no matter what he found, no matter what he did, good, bad, illicit, Useless, no matter what he did, even doing nothing was vanity, emptiness. He couldn't find anything in anything. The story of, of Lace's good illustration 
for Solomon's book of Ecclesiastes. He just couldn't find anything. Nothing was meaningful. So he comes down all the way through 11 chapters and he finds everything is vanity and vexation of mind. I mean, it just, it just irritates me. It's meaningless and it irritates me. Solomon's conclusion. Okay, now you don't have to read the book. But in chapter 12, he makes a transition. He says, you know what? I tried everything and nothing Nothing matters, so I'm going to seek God. And the last few verses, he gives himself back over to God because only through God can he find identity. Only through God can he find meaning, value, worth. Only through what God has done. We, you know, we talk about, we want to transform our nation, we want to transform our culture, our cities, but it's not going to be without the divine intervention of God. That's the only thing that's going to change things. We can't perform enough, we can't get enough attention, we can't join enough things. There's not enough to do. We've got to find some value somewhere in something other than us trying to perform or trying to get attention or find acceptance. So she conceives again. Look at verse 35. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time, oh, it's not the word now. It's this time. I'm changing everything. This time. Not what I've done before. Not how I've tried to fill the void before. This time, I will give praise to the Lord. Now I'm going to praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. And she ceased bearing. Judah in Hebrew is pronounced Judah. But the word praise is the word Yada, Y-A-D-A-H. It's just one letter different. Yada, now I will praise the Lord. And the word Yada in, in Hebrew is a word for giving thanks for something that someone has given to you. Someone gives you something and you say, thank you. It's, it's the, the praise of a mercy showed, of a grace that's been given, of a gift that's been received. And so, if you watch good Hebrew people, when they receive something, they say, thank you. They, they lift their hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your acceptance. Thank you for this gift. Because the word yada simply means hand to God. Hand to God. Yad, hand. 
Jehovah, A-H, God. Hands to God. Why do we lift our hands in worship? Why do we give ourselves? Because we're directing ourselves in love to him. She got it. Finally, Leah got it. I'll give myself. It's not my husband that I'm, I'm looking to. It's no longer what he can do, what they can do, the acceptance that I can receive from society or family. Though you should be accepted family and you should be accepted in society and we shouldn't have to perform or get attention or attach ourselves to something. We, we should be accepted, but we're not. So what are we going to do? Give ourselves in praise to Him. Thank you. Gratitude. To give myself to the one, listen, the one who's been saying, Leah, I love you. She had a child. God said, Leah, I love you. And she turned and looked for acceptance from her husband. She had a second child, and the Lord said, Leah, I love you. And she turned to her husband again, knowing that she'd been hated, said, maybe he'll, maybe he'll join himself to me now. She had another child, and God said, Leah, I love you. She had everything that she needed coming from God. Maybe society will never see it. Maybe the culture, maybe your family will never see it. There's an interesting verse. I think you've got it there in your, in your thing. Uh, in uh, 2049, sorry. Genesis 49. And you have to turn a few passages over. Genesis 49, look at verse 31. Maybe Leah never, never knew. Maybe her husband never said, you know what, Leah, I do love you. Maybe her daddy never went to her and said, you know, daughter, I love you, or a mom, or sister. Maybe all those people that hated her because she didn't look right. Chapter 49, as Jacob is dying, he says, I want you to take my bones back to Israel. And you go back and you leave here and you go back to the promised land. I want you to carry my bones with you. And when you get there, I want you to bury them in a place called Machpelah. And he said, I want you to take them to this field and I want you to bury them there. And he says in verse 31, he says, there they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. That was, that was the covenant family. This is the covenant memorial garden. There they buried Abraham and Sarah. There I buried Isaac and Rebekah, his mom and dad, the covenant family. And what does he say last? And there I buried 
Who? Leah. Not Rachel. Who was the covenant wife that God had planned for Jacob all along? Not the one that he thought. It was the one that God had prepared for him was Leah. But she's got weak eyes. But God blessed her. And God used her. And it was through Leah that Judah would be born. And through Judah, the Messiah would be born. This was, this was God's plan. Did, did she ever know it? I don't know. And maybe in our life, we won't find that place of acceptance from society or from culture. Or unfortunately, sometimes you won't even find it from your family. But you know who you got it from? <laughs> you don't have to perform for God. He performed for you. We're going to sing it in the song at the end today, in Homecoming. <laughs> he put our sins on a cross. He performed for us. See, it's all about His performance. Simeon, he heard? You don't have to wait for God to hear. Before you were born, you had his attention. He knew you from your mother's womb. It's not about you getting his attention. You've already got it. If his son dying on a cross was not enough, what more do we need? Now I'll be joined to him, Levi. Now my husband will join himself to me. No, God already joined himself to you. He chose you. He called you. And he saved you. And made you one with him. He's already joined himself to you. <laughs> Glory to God. What am I going to do? Give myself in praise to him. Why do we lift our hands? It's just a sign. But it's a sign that says my hands, my life, my life goes to him. It's to God. And I think of the goodness of God. Thank you. When I think of his grace toward me, thank you. When I think of what he's done to heal me, to strengthen me, to save me, to remove barriers in my life, thank you. When I think about the interest God has in me, thank you. And he cares about each one of us. It's not me finding my worth. It's me recognizing that God gave me his worth. He placed his grace on me. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm going to give him my attention. Last week we sang a song and I asked for the, for the words for this chorus. The song is As I Am. But just listen to the words here because they, they work right here with Leah. Lord, you take me as I am over and over. You call me yours again. 
You see it all. Still, you want me. You see my green eyes. <laughs> you still want me. How you love me. How you love me. Your kindness and mercy remind me how you love me as I am. I don't have to change me for him. He'll change me for him. All I have to do is let him. I just have to lift my hands and say, Lord, <laughs> I give myself in love to the God that loved me. It's all about God's love, about his grace. It's about what he wanted to do for me. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. You got a Bible device? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. But God. They could preach forever just on that phrase, but God. Ephesians 2, verse 3. But God being rich in mercy. Listen to this phrase. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. God didn't wait for you to perform to love you. He didn't wait for you to call out to get his attention. He didn't wait for you to do something so that you could join yourself to him. He joined himself to you. Where? Listen to this. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Christ joined us in our death so that we could be with him in his resurrection. That's, that's God's love. And what am I going to say? Thank you. Thank you. I don't have any other words. I run out of words. What can I say? God's gifts as demonstrations of love are all about us. And not just saving us from sin. Listen to what it says. By grace you're saved. And he's raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It, it didn't stop when he saved you from your sin. It continues to this day. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The team can come up if you're ready. Romans chapter 8. And Paul here talking about the trials of life and the pressures of life and how God has a way of turning everything to our good. Why? Because he knew us from the past. And he's the one who by his foreknowledge made a place for us, predestined us, and then he called us and then he justified us and he glorified us. And he did all of those things so that we could be with him all before we accepted him. All of this God made a plan for. All of this was in preparation. But not just to save you from your sin. Listen to verse 32. Romans chapter 8, verse 32, he who did not spare his own son. How many are you glad for that? God didn't spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. 
See, there's, there's our salvation. There's our homecoming we're going to be talking about in this song. Yeah, there's all of that. This is my homecoming. I realized I couldn't make my way to God, but God made a way to me so that I could be with Him. <laughs> but it doesn't stop there. Listen, the verse didn't end with that, but gave Himself up for us all. Listen to what it says. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? See, it doesn't stop with your salvation experience. It goes on through every issue that you face in your life. Along with Him. What did God do to save you? Along with Him, He freely gave you all things. He didn't just stop with one thing. He has freely given you all things that you need for this life. All things that are necessary. Do you need peace? It's there. Do you need health? It's there. Do you need strength? It's there. Do you need wisdom? It's there. Everything. Leah, I love you. What do we say? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you've done so good. You've done so great. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to perform for God. I don't have to find a way to get his attention. I don't have to find a way to be accepted. All I have to do is give him my adoration. Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. You know, there's a little bit of a little bit of a plug here, but in July we're having a kids camp. And Christina's heart and those who work with her in our children's ministry is so much for your children to understand how much God loves them. And her camp this summer is all about God made me with plans in mind. God has plans. And if you know kids that need to be at camp, maybe a friend's neighbor's grandchildren, neighborhood kids, whatever, let them know about the summer camp because children don't need to go through life wondering whether they have to perform or whether they've got anybody's attention or whether they really belong and are accepted. They should know. Christina wants to be able to take that opportunity. She didn't pay me for this. But you can find out about Kids Camp online. It's right on the splash page. You can sign up there. Get information. Just stand with me. God really cares. He really cares. I can't say it enough. But whether you're here in the auditorium, whether you're watching online, maybe listening to this at a later date, 
want you to know God loves you. So my subtitle for my message is Leah, I love you. I want you to put your name in there instead of Leah. I want us all to say this together. Put your name in there. Jeff, you say your name. I love you. God loves you. God loves you. What does he need to do? If you've never accepted him as Savior, today's the day. Today's a perfect day. And if you're watching online or here in person, God wants you to be a part of his family. If you haven't joined God's family, he's reaching out to you. All you have to do is accept it. And he wants you to be a part of the family that he has. So if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, if you've never accepted him, would you raise your hand? God wants to do that. He wants to do that in your life. And I ask you to raise your hand simply as a way of acknowledging, yes, yes, I want that. Now we're going to have counselors at the back of the auditorium. and You can go back and talk with them and speak to them. Let them know that this day, this day you opened your heart to receive. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, God wants you to have the fullness of His power working in your life. And they'll minister to you about that so that you can also be a vessel reaching with God's grace and His power into other people's lives. It's one thing to know you're saved. It's another thing to be a vessel to minister to others. So... Our counselors are there to help you with that. But more than anything, what I want you to know today is God loves you. He really does. So what are we going to do? Give ourselves in adoration. Give ourselves in love to the God who loves us.